And welcome to the XVZ Movie Podcast. Uh, I'm Brian. I'm representing Generation X. I'm Mackenzie, and I'm Gen Z. And we're going to ask you at the top to bear with us a little bit this time. Uh, For the first time, we're doing this remotely. Uh, Normally, we're sitting right next to each other when we record these podcasts. But uh, today, we are on opposite ends of the continent and recording it online. So uh, please bear with us. This will be a slightly different experience than we've had in the past, but we're going to power through and hopefully we can uh, still give you guys a great show. Yeah, I think we can make it work. I think we'll be. I I have all the confidence in the world. (laughs) Um, And producer Luke, really, producer Luke is the one who's making this happen. So thank you, producer Luke, for being such a (laughs) stand-up guy on this. Uh, (laughs) So today we are discussing... Um, the Oscars, the Oscar nominations came out this week and we're a little bit late to the party, obviously, because we're recording this a few days later and then it'll come out a few days after that. So a lot of people have given their thoughts, but we have our own thoughts that we want to share with you all on the Oscars and what, uh, the Oscars got right and what the Oscars got wrong. And certainly there are a lot of snubs to talk about. We could probably do that right off the top, I would think. Yeah, I mean, listen, the obvious snub immediately that comes to mind is Barbie, um, which was shocking in a lot of ways. And I think the bottom line for me about it is just the kind of cruel irony in that the, the fact that Ryan Gosling was nominated for Best Supporting Actor and Greta Gerwig wasn't even nominated for best director and margot robbie wasn't nominated for best for best lead actress and like you know like if that is not the point of the barbie movie i don't know what is like it's just kind of incredible it was kind of that weird i mean ironic is the right word for it right but it was it was almost like you know the just the kind of the tone deafness right and the lack of self-awareness that the academy had here like nobody i mean obviously Obviously, you know, the the individual categories are voted on by people who are in that discipline, right? So the acting categories are nominated for by actors, the actress categories nominated by actress, uh, and directors are nominated by directors. They all vote on that. And it does seem very ironic, like you said, that <laughs> in a movie that criticized the patriarchy the one person that got nominated from that was the man who in his own way kind of stole the show in certain places, but was probably the least. And that is true. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes. But, but that being said, I think along with that, I think it also goes to show that like, you know, what, what she was, nominated for was that monologue that she gives about women not feeling enough right like that was the thing that got her that nomination and it feels like the academy saying like oh look we're paying attention we see how hard women have it and like of course she needs to get nominated for that but then they're not even they're not going so far as to nominate the woman who made it happen either woman who made it happen and if and if we're being really honest you know i I love america for era but she's not winning that award Right. No, no. Right. Exactly. And, and and to be honest, I mean, I'll be surprised if Ryan Gosling wins as well. Um, You know, the real recognition for this movie and the real power for this, from this movie came from Margot Robbie and from Greta Gerwig. Right. I mean, they, they were 
the driving force behind what this movie was. And to snub those two is kind of really giving the middle finger to the movie as a whole and giving the middle finger to the movie's message. That's really what no one has said, to be honest with you. And at least I haven't seen that. I've, I've seen a lot of people on X and Facebook and wherever else talking about the irony of this is a movie about the patriarchy and, you know, Ryan Gosling won, but really what the Academy did was they, they said, fuck you to Barbie, to Greta Gerwig and to Margot Robbie. Um, You know, you, you made this movie, this great message and this movie should be impactful for millions of little girls and women around the country. And we're basically telling them, eh, you know, it doesn't matter that this money, was the biggest movie but it of doesn't the matter. year. Yeah. It, and it doesn't matter that yeah. women were responsible for the biggest movie of the year. We're just not going to recognize it. We're just going to ignore it. And that I think really should be the, go ahead, Luke. Right. With Greta a Gerwig, too. But again, Greta Gerwig and her husband were nominated right. for the screenplay. And, and, and if we can also interject about that too, Right. And if we can interject one other thing is that it was also, they, they put it under the best adapted screenplay. Adapted for what? Yeah. Right? It was a, yeah. It's a toy. It's merchandise. This was an original screenplay. No one had ever, no one had ever told the story before. No one had ever attempted to tell this kind of story. It wasn't in a book. It wasn't in a comic book. It wasn't in any of the you know, it's not like the Barbie toy line has stories behind it, like American Girl or something like that. This was 100% an original story, and it should have been nominated for original screenplay. Not that original screenplay is more prestigious than adapted screenplay, but still, it didn't belong there. Like, the Academy had no idea what to do with this movie. None at all. Yeah, and it's just unfortunate because, you know... It's funny looking at the conversations we were having a few, just a few weeks ago about this movie and how like this was this was oh going to be God. this year's Titanic, and yes. look at us now, look at us now. <laughs> it's really remarkable. I, I I remember saying you know going into the Golden Globes, I was like, oh, this is going to be the year of Barbie. Barbie is this year's Titanic, just like you just said. And wow, like I know, like you couldn't have, we could not have been more wrong about that about Barbie. And about um, uh, Oppenheimer. Oh, crap! It's it, uh, no, not Oppenheimer. The one, the other one that got snubbed that we said was going to go gang past lives, especially for the acting awards. No, not past lives. Um, the one with Julianne Moore and uh, oh, May December. May December. Thank you, God. I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's so snubbed that I can't even remember the damn name of the damn movie. This, right. That that one is um, also that that snub. I think for me was almost as heartbreaking if not just as heartbreaking that Charles Melton at the very least was not nominated for best supporting actor that is shocking upsetting disturbing i i don't even know yeah. how many words i can use like it is truly that is the that is the snub to end all snubs i feel i i, I don't understand it I, I i i can't understand it i i don't know if i ever will understand it <laughs> you know i mean you thought i was mad about teenage mutant ninja turtles I know uh, the Golden Globes, right? But um, you know, to not and, even and get nominated one, for Charles Melton. That's the thing that I can't understand, right? Because he was at least nominated at the Golden Globes, right? Yeah, he was. When I when I saw that his name didn't come, because I was watching, I actually watched the live presentation of the mm -hmm. Oscars coming up of the nominees, and like when he, it, it it was a similar 
reaction when we were looking through the Golden Globe nominees yeah. for Best Animated Feature and didn't see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was like, wait, what? 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 How does how does that not happen? It was, you know, it, was yeah, stun- you, it was stunning to me. Justice for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and justice for Charles Melton, I think, is the bottom line this year. <sighs> yeah, I mean, look... Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. I, I know we're going to go through the nominees, you know, each, each one, but I think that, yeah, for me, the two big snubs were, were Barbie for the reasons that we, that we put out there and, and May, December, I just, I don't understand like that movie had Oscar bait written all over it. We, and you we know talked what? about it in depth. Yeah. I think that might be people's problem with it is that it, was oscar bait like i i think people i I don't know if it's people in my generation or what but i feel like i have had conversations with people recently and i've heard about people who are closer to my age who just like really did not like that movie people did not get it um which i don't understand but also you know what are you gonna do but i i'm wondering if because it was such clear oscar bait it's turning people off it's possible. I also think maybe there is some, I, I have noticed that since Netflix movies started getting nominated for Oscars, there is a bit of backlash maybe like, like it, it felt like there were a couple of Netflix movies that should have been clear favorites for best picture. Right. Um, the, whatever of the dog a couple of years ago, I think that power was, of the dog, maybe that is power of the dog. Right. And there have been a couple of others that I, that escaped my, memory at the moment but it, it feels like netflix movies are are kind of intentionally or maybe subconsciously getting snubbed by the voters just because there's this fear of everything just going right to streaming i mean that doesn't really make total sense because coda won last year or two right. years ago when it was apple tv right but um I, you know, Apple TV doesn't nearly have the cachet that Netflix does. And, and I, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that there is certainly an opportunity or, or a possibility that Netflix might, even when they're deserving, might get kind of like the short end of the stick by Academy voters who, you know, they'll take Netflix paychecks, but they don't want to, um, they, they don't want to recognize them when they're doing good work. You know what I mean? Ain't that just the way. Yeah, I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. What are you getting? Um, yeah, yeah, not much you can do. And I will say, um, just I feel like I need to. Sorry, sorry. I I feel like I need to defend myself here with the Oscars. I feel like I've been having again more conversations recently because you know I work at a film school, um, with pretentious film students, and you know I can't. You know, if any of you are listening, I love you guys so much. I am one of you. Like, it's this is not a criticism in any way, but I feel the need to defend myself by saying, you know, for me, the Oscars are not and cannot be an arbiter of what is actually good. You know, nine times out of 10, best picture maybe isn't actually the best picture of that year. It's just what people kind of globbed onto, and that's fine. But for me, what I love about the Oscars is just the spectacle of it and it's a way to kind of have these more in-depth conversations about film that we maybe wouldn't be having otherwise um and so i think that is where i uh, see the benefit in the conversation we're about to have about the nominees and just like it's just it's my super bowl let's just have fun with it it's not that serious (laughs) it doesn't need to be that serious it's just fun and yes i'll be upset about charles melton and yes i'll be upset about barbie but 
it's not that serious. <laughs> it's not that serious. And this is coming from a guy who legit threw his phone on the floor when they announced uh, that Wreck-It Ralph beat How to Train Your Dragon <laughs> 2, the best animated feature a few years ago. <laughs> oh, so bad. Um, yeah, I, you, you, but you're right. I mean, there are definitely times where I think the Oscars, get, you know, getting nominated is the win, right? Because the it's so subjective. And, you know, every once in a while you get these situations, right, where, like, the ballot gets stuffed almost, right? Like the year Shakespeare in Love beat out Saving yeah. Private Ryan. Um, and there are plenty of other, um, you know, the, the year Annie Hall beat Star Wars, right? I mean... Oh, God. You, you know, the list goes... The list goes on and on of um, the the academy getting it getting it wrong because again you know it's a few thousand people that are voting who knows what's motivating them or or where they're getting you know their pressure from or or whatever right uh, but to get nominated that's when I think you're really seeing who your peers think is the best in the in the group right right and I think again that's why it's so setting that you didn't see Margot Robbie get nominated and that you didn't see Greta Gerwig get nominated for best director because that's the recognition that's where you get recognized by your peers for being outstanding at your craft whatever that craft happens to be and seeing them get so and and Charles Melton again right I mean you know I mean what does a guy got to do I know to get nominated I mean like <laughs> <laughs> you know, Seriously. And, and to be honest with you, to be honest with you, and we can get into this more when we talk about that category. It, it, it feels like Ryan Gosling and look, I, I mad respect for Ryan Gosling. <clears throat> I, I like him in almost everything he's in. I don't necessarily have a beef with him getting nominated for best supporting actor for Barbie sure. in a vac in a vacuum. But you can't tell me that his performance in Barbie was better than Charles Melton's performance was in Made No. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. No, it's just it's, absolutely it's not, not it's not in the same league. No. But we'll get into it. So um I think yeah. that probably gets us to our first break. Okay, cool. We will take a quick break and we'll be back in a minute. Okay, and we are back with the Gen X V Z movie podcast. I think we've uh done a good job of getting off of our chest the frustration with some of the snubs that uh we thought were pretty egregious uh and now we can actually just get into what was nominated and how we feel about it and what we what we think is going to happen so the first one i'm looking at is actor in a leading role we have bradley cooper and maestro uh coleman domingo and rustin paul giamatti the holdovers killian murphy oppenheimer jeffrey wright fiction uh what are your thoughts coming into this right with this with this category so the only one I still have to see is Coleman Domingo and Rustin. It is on Netflix, so it's on my agenda um, to watch it soon. Um, I mean, I still really want it to be Paul Giamatti. I'm, I fear it might go to Killian Murphy, not because I don't think Killian Murphy is a great actor. I do, but I really think that it should go to Paul Giamatti. I think I would also prefer to see Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction over... Killian Murphy. Did you ever see that? Did you see American Fiction yet? I haven't seen it yet. I think it actually just went on to Prime. Um, it is oh, in theaters, it? but I'd get a notification. Yeah, so I'll... And I have to see Rustin 
as well. So <clears throat> I'm going to try to catch those. Uh, I'm going to try to catch. Uh, so yeah, so really the only ones that I've seen are are Killian Murphy, Paul Giamatti, and Bradley Cooper. And yeah, Paul Giamatti is my favorite of those. I did love Bradley Cooper's performance in Maestro, which we talked about last time. Um, I, I thought he was very, very convincing in that role. But the thing about it for me is is just is Paul Giamatti's performance in the holdovers and and Gosh, it's 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 funny. It's been a long time since we saw that. I know. It was back in November. Or I think mid-November. Was it October? Was it that long ago? It was oh October. Gosh. Well, I just I felt like his performance was just so convincing, and his character arc was so complete in that movie. And it, it you know it had as much to writing as as it, it as it did with his performance. But man, I, I, his performance really was my favorite performance of the year, and I, I hope he does win it. And and he won the Golden Globe, but it was for comedy musical, right? Because Killian Murphy won for drama. So yeah. it's, I think it's probably, if we're being honest, it's between those two. And yeah. and and as much as going into the Golden Globes, I was saying this is the year of Barbie. It's hard not to think coming out of the Golden Globes that it's the year of Oppenheimer. I and know, and so who should win? I know, I know. But I mean, look, who should win? Probably Paul Giamatti, who will win in all likelihood, Killian Murphy. I would if, agree if with that. If we're really being honest with ourselves, yeah. I would agree with that with a sad sigh of stress, <laughs> but it is what it is. I, I, I think you're going to have to buckle in. And I, I think know. you're going to have to get ready to hear Oppenheimer a lot on Oscar. I'm night. just going to weep. I'm just going to weep and it's fine. And again, <laughs> it's not that I don't like Oppenheimer. I just don't think that's the movie that should be sweeping this year. And I'm upset about it. It, it. it doesn't feel like any movie should be sweeping. That's the thing, right? Like there are so many really good movies that came out this year and like, like this year is way stronger than last year in my humble opinion. And probably stronger than the year before. This is the strongest year of movies that we've had, maybe since minute. before the pandemic. Yeah, maybe since before the pandemic. And it doesn't feel like there should be a Titanic this year or that there should be a Lord of the Rings, Return of the King this year, right? I mean, this really feels like a year that the wealth should be spurred around. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that the momentum is heading that way. So, yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's move on to actor in a supporting role. The nominees are Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. Uh, well, you go ahead. Well, no, just again, I mean, look, I am a big, big Sterling K. Brown fan. I really, really like him a lot. And he was great in American Fiction, but I think he's the one that you swap out for... Um, for Charles Melton, um, which is unfortunate, but I think that's just it. It's a it's just a bummer. He he is really good, um, but he's in it for maybe twenty minutes, and it also like isn't like it's a good performance, but I don't think it's something that like should necessarily win best supporting actor. Um, but you know, I mean, it just wouldn't be unprecedented this, though. No, Sorry. I was just gonna say, it, it, like, I mean that that does happen. Like there was that one. Well, Viola Davis won Best Supporting Actress for Doubt, and she was in it for a grand total of like seven minutes or something, right? Like it does happen. Yeah, and there's there was a similar one for the woman from Network. I can't remember her name, but she she won Best. Oh, she's that's like right. literally in two scenes. 
and she she won Best Supporting Actress. So I mean, and it, he is in more of it than that. I guess for me, it's not even just the runtime; it's just what he was given to do in the movie. Right. Right. Um, and what are you bringing to the what are you bringing to the movie? Right. I mean, you're yes, you're in a supporting role, but still, like, how integral is your role to the story? I think is, is yeah, something we already ask. Right. And again. Love him. He's great. Huge fan. I just don't know that this was the right choice. Um, but that's fair. beyond that, um, I think obviously it's going to be Robert Downey Jr. Um, for Oppenheimer. I don't really see a way around it at this point. Um, but I think I'm just really happy that Mark Ruffalo made it in there for poor things. I just, I, I loved him in that movie. He was so good. Um, I don't think he's going to win. I think if there's any chance it doesn't go to Robert Downey Jr., it will go to Robert De Niro. I would have to agree, although I've got this weird feeling that, like, because there's so much backlash about Ryan Gosling being the only one nominated for Barbie other than America Ferrera that he might win, although America Ferrera probably would might have a better chance. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't count Ryan Gosling out as a dark horse just because of, again, the, the Academy Awards are nothing if they're not political. Sure. And... And it's it's entirely possible. Uh, again, Robert Downey Jr., huge fan. Been a fan of him since I saw him pants the kids in Weird Science, right back in the mid '80s. Um, uh, but again, this probably wasn't the role because I think there are at least two two performances that were better than his. I would certainly give it to Robert De Niro before. Robert Downey Jr. As great as Robert Downey Jr. was in Oppenheimer, I think Robert De Niro gave a magnificent performance in Killers of the Flower Moon. I think magnificent is really the only way to, to think about it. Um, and I would, if I had a vote, I would probably give it to Mark Ruffalo as well. I mean, he was so good in that movie. And again, I think the Mark Ruffalo performance in Poor Things reminds me a little bit of the of the Paul Giamatti performance mm -hmm. in, in, um, in the holdovers because it was such an original take and it was such a, almost like a caricature performance in a way. Right. Cause I mean, the whole world was very caricatured and, and um, imaginative and his role fit that fit the whole movie um, really, really well. So yeah, I would probably go with, I would vote for Mark Ruffalo. I think I, <laughs> Here's the thing. I would vote for Mark Ruffalo. It probably should go to Robert De Niro. It probably will go to Robert Downey Jr. How's that for mental gymnastics? And there it is. Yeah. And there, there's <laughs> the silliness of the Academy Awards in a nutshell. Yes. Because again, it's like we like we were talking about before, right? And we could talk about this more when we get into Best Picture. But each one of those guys had a job to do in the movie that he was in, and each one of them did it, right? They 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 all and he, Ryan Gosling and Sterling K. Brown as well, right? I mean, they all were supposed to do something. They all did exactly what they were supposed to do. They couldn't have done it any better. I, I mean, how can and how can you say like like how can you say Robert De Niro would have been better as Ken than Ryan Gosling? You can't, right? Or Ryan Gosling could have played the role in Killer of the Flower Moon. It's just such an apples to bananas comparison that you can't really. I mean, how can you really choose? So. Yeah. One other snub, I just realized that we forgot. We forgot another snub. Uh, going back sure. to best actor is we we um, Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Oh, did not get nominated for best actor. 
Oh my god! I think that was a bit I of a completely snub. spaced on that. That's a huge mistake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know who you take out. Again, I haven't seen Rustin or American Fiction, but um, yeah, god, the Academy I, again, does not I, like I, him. Know. I don't know what it is, but they can, <laughs> cannot catch a break with the Academy. This is yeah. bizarre. It's getting weird. Yeah, that was that was a big snub. Anyway, I I digress a little bit, but I I realized as I was looking through the list. Oh shoot, we missed yeah. Leo, and we snubbed him. A little bit here, just now, just by forgetting <laughs> yeah. about him. Uh, okay, we got a little bit of time left in this segment. Let's quickly go through the other the other uh, acting categories: actress in a leading role, Annette Bening, Nyad, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra uh, Hewler for Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan, Maestro, and Emma Stone, Poor Things. This is a tough one. This is a really tough one. It is tough, and I mean, it's and I think this, this one might be hard to predict too. Yeah. I mean, so here's my thing about this. So I still have not seen Nyad again on Netflix. I will watch it eventually. Um, But I was talking to someone at work about this. We've been talking a lot about the Oscars this week. And um, I was talking about Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone, right? Because with the um, Golden Globes, they were separated by drama and comedy. So, you know, both of them could win. But I didn't think about the fact that, of course, they would both be nominated nominated in the same category for the Oscars. So I was like, oh, my God, I don't know Lily Gladstone or Emma Stone. And I forget who I was talking to, but whoever it was was like, you know, yeah, but Emma Stone already has an Oscar. And I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> that is a great point. She already has an Oscar. That's true. Yeah. So I think for me, um, it's between... Lily Gladstone for who I would like to see and Sandra Hewler for Anatomy of a Fall. But I think it will go between the two of them. It will go to Lily Gladstone. I I think that's great reasoning. I think you're probably right about that. Um, it's, it's hard to envision a world where Lily Gladstone does not win yeah. uh, this year. Um, it just, it feels like the stars are aligned for that. It was an important movie She's the first Native American ever to be nominated. Um, it just it feels very much like it's just that that time. It's time. As wonderful it's as a totally performance time. as really all of these women gave. I mean, I have I, I haven't seen Nyad either, but I've heard Annette Benning is a, is amazing in it. I, I mean, look, we talked a lot about all of these performances, and they're all again, they all did what they were supposed to do. How can you pick between one of them, right? But I think that you're right. I think Lily Gladstone is probably the got to be the pick this time. Yeah. So quickly, we'll do actress in a supporting role. Uh, Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer. Danielle Brooks, The Color Purple. Uh, America Ferrera Barbie. Jodie Foster Nyad. Divine Joy Randolph, The Holdovers. I would say, look, I would love to see Divine Joy Randolph get it again. If she doesn't she got, win, Globe. if she does not win supporting actress, I will flip a table. I I'm I will do it. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Out of this category, I get I I never saw the color purple, which I'm really upset about, and I still have not seen Nyad. But between the th- the three that I have seen, if Davine Joy and Raildolph does not win, I will flip a table out the window. Yeah, yeah, is how I, I feel. I, about I, that. I I I might not throw my phone <clears throat> phone on the floor, but I will probably be pretty upset because again we're we're talking about gosh her performance was so understatedly powerful right i mean she was the glue in that movie and again if we're talking about character arcs she had such an a great one also understated right i mean her whole performance other than 
at the Christmas party when she kind of freaks out. The and the fact that her, the rest of her performance was so understated when she kind of freaks out at the at the Christmas party, it meant something, right? She wasn't just she wasn't just this emotional geyser the entire movie. She was really trying to hold it in. And for the one moment when it came out, it was so powerful that it resonated so hard for the whole rest of the movie. And yes, America Ferrera gave a great monologue. Her performance is is fine. I mean, I hate to use that word fine, but I mean, other than other than other than that monologue, it wasn't a particularly memorable performance. Um, Emily Blunt, I think, has that same issue that we were talking about before, where she's just not in the movie enough. Um, she does have a great bit. She has her own great bit at near the end. Um, but yeah, I think as far as like affecting how a movie plays for the entire thing, I, I think Divine, Divine Joe Randolph has to be the choice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think we're going to take a quick break now, but boy, we're going to have to pick up the pace if we're going to get through all these categories. Uh, <laughs> so we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes uh, and we'll see where we could pick up. And we are back with the Gen X VZ movie podcast. We're talking about the Academy Award nominations, what we like, what we didn't like, what got snubbed and uh, what got uh, undeservedly nominated. Uh, yes, we're going there. So we're the next one on our list is animated feature film. Let me just say we both love animation, but somehow we still haven't, each of us haven't seen three of them. I've, I've seen Elemental and I've seen Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I still need to see The Boy and the Heron, Nimona, and Robot Dreams. So we're probably going to skip talking about this one until we have each seen all of them. And then maybe we'll do like a follow-up show to talk about that. Because I suspect we'll have a thing or two to say about them. I would like to say the one thing that I do think is cool about these is that Nimona was nominated. Mackenzie, do you know the story behind that one? Oh, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's no, I'm but, but for the audience, was, yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't, Nimona was actually the last movie that was being done by Blue Sky. Uh, you may know them from the uh, Ice Age movies. And Disney bought Blue Sky. Or, yeah, uh, yeah, Disney bought Blue Sky. Well, because Blue Sky was, was owned by Fox. Was owned by Fox. Right, right. So they bought, so they, they purchased Blue Sky as a part of the Fox takeover. And it was almost done. And they pulled the plug on it. And, and, uh, the the producers tried to take it around to other places and they finally were able to find this other, this other production company and it got made and Nimona got nominated for an Oscar and wish did not. So Booyah, that, baby. Maybe they'll learn their <laughs> so anyway, lesson we're both from gonna, this. No, they are not. <laughs> you think Disney's going to learn a lesson. That's funny. Um, so anyway, uh, we are still going to see the the boy and the heron. We're going to see Nimona and we're going to see Robot Dreams, and then we will talk about the animated feature film nominees later on. So let's move on to cinematography. The nominees are El Conde, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Uh, I have not seen El Conde, but I have seen the other ones. Uh, Mackenzie, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, this is tough because I mean, I mean, cinematography for me, like I always have such a hard time making a prediction because like it's always so good so um but i mean oppenheimer did have really good cinematography and i feel like if it's gonna win anything i would like to see it win this um i really like hoyt van hoytema as a cinematographer he did nope um which i 
really loved. Um, and but also Poor Things had really great cinematography by Robbie Ryan. Um, and Killers of the Flower Moon was a visual spectacle, Rodrigo Prieto. Um, and I have also not seen El Conde, but um, heard weird things about it, so I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, th this is a toss up for me. Um, but I think Oppenheimer will probably take this one as well. But I think this is one it deserves I, to take. Yeah, I, I think it. I think Oppenheimer will probably win. But I, I would probably prefer to see Poor Things win. And also, to be honest with you, because when I think about cinematography, I'm usually thinking about lighting. And I feel like the lighting in Maestro... Was excellent. And also what they did with... It really was. And also what they did with Maestro in terms of like some of it was in black and white and some of it was in color. And I know they did the same thing with Oppenheimer, but it felt more story driven with Maestro. Oh, um, wait, that's so true. Not It was Maestro and they did that with Oppenheimer and they did that with Poor Things. Yeah, you're right. They did all with all three of them. <laughs> all three of them were partly in black and white and partly in color. I guess this that's was hilarious. Something in the water this that year. Connection. That's really yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, but I, again, I feel like Maestro and Poor Things did more interesting things with lighting than Oppenheimer did. But I do think you're right. Again, I, I feel like this is the year of Oppenheimer and it's it's hard to envision, again, hard to envision a world where Oppenheimer doesn't win. And it is what it is. And it is what it is. All right, we'll move on to costume design. The nominees are Barbie, Jacqueline Duran, Killers of the Flower Moon, Jacqueline West, Napoleon, uh, Janty Yates, and Dave Crossman. Oppenheimer, Ellen Moron Moronic, and Poor Things, Holly Waddington. Ah, gosh, I mean, uh, again, some really great work because they're all sort of period pieces, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know if you can call Poor Things a period piece as much as it's maybe a avant-garde kind of thing, but and Barbie isn't obviously a period piece, but it's more of a fantasy thing. I, I mean, whew. Yeah, flip, I don't know, flip a coin. I mean, they were, again, everybody did their job, right? Everybody did what they were supposed to do. I don't know how you pick one over yeah. the other. For me, it's a toss-up between Barbie and Poor Things. I think Poor Things was doing a lot of really different, interesting, visually interesting things. But I think Barbie was so... Um, was just so well done and cohesive and paying homage to things that had come before it, but also kind of doing its own thing. And like, I, so for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's really a toss up between those two. You know, I, I think it's because of creativity, right? Mm -hmm. Like killers of the flower moon and Napoleon and Oppenheimer were basically recreating periods, right? The costumes of those periods. And they did an outstanding job of doing it. But when you look at Barbie and you look at poor things, those costume designers had to dig into their creativity to, dream up uh costumes that otherwise might not have existed maybe not so much with barbie because they could have you know they obviously paid homage to the to the dolls and the toys and everything but yes i think i think that's probably what separates those two films from the other ones is that the amount of creativity that went into those costume designs yeah all right well okay so we're we're kind of in but again oppenheimer's probably gonna win uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to skip documentary feature. <laughs> we're going to skip documentary feature in short. Again, not because we don't have mad respect for documentary filmmakers, but I don't think either one of us have seen them. And uh, You haven't you seen know, any of these this year. Yes. 
I haven't seen any of them. Yeah. So um, we're going to head and we'll go ahead and, and, and skip over those um, film editing, anatomy of a fall, Lauren Senecal, the holdovers, Kevin tent, kids of the flower moon, Thelma Schoenmaker, Oppenheimer, Jennifer Lane, poor things, Yorgos Mozartis. Sorry. I don't know. I butchered his name. Um, oh God. Uh, I, uh, go ahead. Well, Go no, just, I, I mean, again, toss up. Like, I think yeah. any of these are, are the right answer. Um, you know, again, like, I think this is one that I would I not feel, be for upset me, to I see Oppenheimer win. Just that I don't think this is one I would yeah, be upset to but see I was, win. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But I'm, again, from a creativity standpoint, I feel like the editing and poor things was very, very strong. Um, you know, just the way they stitched together the different worlds that she was in and and um, how the editing helped tell the story in that one. I don't know that the editing in Oppenheimer necessarily helped tell the story to the degree that it did in Poor Things. And I think that, and to be honest with you, in Killers of the Flower Moon, there was some really solid editing and some really cool choices that that helped tell the visual story in that film in a way that to me certainly didn't do it in Oppenheimer. Um, gosh, I, I, I would have a hard time not voting for killers of the flower moon in, in this one. I mean, it's probably going to go to Oppenheimer, but whatever. I, I still think <laughs> the flower moon it is what it is. But also I think anatomy of a fall was doing a lot of really interesting things with its editing. Like, you know, it's just, there was, um, Again, you know, it, yeah, it's probably going to go to Oppenheimer, which like is fine. But yes, I think I would prefer to see it go to Poor Things for sure, if not Killers of the Flower Moon or Anatomy of a Fall. Um, yeah, again, it's for me. It's 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 what did the editing do to tell the story? And gosh, I mean, gosh, it was October when we saw Killers of the Flower Moon too, wasn't it? So yeah, it was. Um, uh, gosh, and I did really like the editing in Anatomy of a Fall. We saw that one more recently. And you're right. They did do some interesting things there, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I keep going back to killers of the flower moon. Yeah. Uh, international feature film. I this is weird, right? Have because I've not seen any of these. No, I haven't seen any of them either, but I, 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 again, I think it's interesting because of the way the golden globes handled it. I think we kind of assumed that anatomy of a fall would be one of the nominees because zone of interest yeah. is right. Can I cut in for a moment? Of course. So the thing about Anatomy of a Fall is the filmmakers were very critical of the French government, and the government didn't like that. So they didn't put them up for Oscar consideration. Instead, they put up a movie that the filmmakers were uh, positive of the French government, and that one didn't even get nominated. LMAO. I didn't even know that. Those crazy French. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it was similar. Like, well, like, like, the French government is notorious for, for for doing things like that, right? Like if even going back to like um, Stanley Kubrick's movie, um, Paths of Glory. Yeah. Right? That movie got banned, like legit banned in France because it took such a, a critical view of the French government and how they handled World War II, World War One, right? So that the, the fact that that happened is not surprising to me. Uh, and listen, I'm like half French, so I can say that. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, <laughs> well, then there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, makeup 
And hairstyling. This is actually an interesting one. I've only seen a couple of these. So it's, it's uh, Golda and the good people are Karen Hartley, Thomas, Susie Battersby, Asher Kelly, Asher Kelly Blue, and then Maestro, Kazuhiro, Kay Giorgio, and Lori McCoy-Bell, Oppenheimer, Louisa Abel, Poor Things, Nadia Stacy, Mark Coulier, and Josh Weston, and Society of the Snow, Ana Lopez, Puig Server, David Marti, and Monse Ribay. So the only ones that I've seen are Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Um, go ahead, Mackenzie. No, no. no. You say something? No, say what you're going to say. Okay. I, 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 think, I think this is another one of those that's similar to costume design, right? Like, I would, I would, I think Poor Things has a leg up just because the look of that movie was so creative. And we'll get more into this when we talk about production design. But, um, yeah, I, but then again, like the opening shot of Maestro and Bradley Cooper as an aging, um, uh, Leonard Bernstein was so like seamless, right? Like you couldn't, it didn't look like makeup to me, right? It looked like he was an aging person and that makeup was crafted so well. And they had to make him age from a very young man to a, you know, they had to make 40 ish year old Bradley Cooper, right? Look 20 and look 60. And, uh, I think they did a really remarkable job in that movie. So I, I feel like Maestro should get it, but it'll probably go to Oppenheimer. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I probably, I pretty much agree with that. I think I would probably put, um, mm, this is tough actually. I, yeah. I mean, I'd probably say Maestro purely for the Leonard Bernstein makeup and just how well they did with that. And even like Carrie Mulligan's yeah. makeup, mm. like she really seamlessly, they really seamlessly aged her quite a bit like it looked really they really good. did yeah yeah um and then so when, yeah, she, I would when say, she had cancer and she had to look sorry i was just saying when no, she no, had no, cancer but, and she had to yeah. look really gaunt yeah i think that looked really good it did and and i mean obviously right, but I, then you get into poor things being the like more kind of they they had to tap into their creativity a little more like you know the the way yeah. the hair grew kind of as like a signifier for you know the progress that she makes in her like self-discovery um love that but yeah willem defoe's whole character in there right oh how could i even forget yeah seriously so yeah i mean either of the two i'd be happy yeah all right uh we're up against a break but let's just real quick do uh score and song Uh, i think these should probably be relatively quick uh just because i want to be able to spend a good amount of time on best picture and best production design yeah so the nominees for score are american fiction uh, Laura Cartman, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, John Williams, Killers of the Flower Moon, Robbie Robertson, Oppenheimer, Ludwig Goranson, and Poor Things, uh, Jerskin Fredericks. Uh, this is a little out of my wheelhouse. I think you're a little bit more in tune with scores and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I will defer to you on this one. So Oppenheimer will probably mm-hmm. win and it should probably win. Um, I think a close second would be Killers of the Flower Moon. I do think that was a great score. But Ludwig Göransson, um, I actually really like as a composer. Um, I think the score was really, really great in Oppenheimer. He also, I'm a little biased, he did the music for um, The Mandalorian, which is iconic music. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I think he really yeah. deserves it. R.I.P. Carl Weathers, by the way. Oh, yeah. Seriously, yeah. God um completely out of left field um but uh caught off guard yeah uh so yeah so i think for that one that's how i would 
go for score and then for original song i mean who are we kidding it's going to be what was i made for from barbie and that's as it should be so yeah, um I think, but I that think being that said probably the runaway winner as well uh, for sure but i think that being said the song from killers of the flower moon a song for my people was so freaking good it was so yeah. so good so that is yeah. you know that's that's tough but it is absolutely going to be what was i made for and it should be what was i made for so that's my opinion on that yeah it yeah it's i mean gosh it's hard to get a. it's hard to bet you're not going to make any money betting against billy and phineas these days so <laughs> yeah. um yeah i i think that uh that's probably a good way to go all right so we're a little over time we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh production design and we will also talk about um Best picture. So sit tight. We'll be right back. And we are back with another uh, segment for the Gen X VZ movie podcast. We were talking about the Oscars. We're running a little long. I wouldn't be surprised if we have to sneak in an extra segment in this one. Uh, we'll have a bon- bonus segment going to overtime. Uh, so we're going to start talking about um, screenplays. Uh, this is usually a uh, segment that's near and dear to my heart. I screenplay reading. I love screenplay writing and I'm often drawn into a movie by how good its screenplay is. So uh, there's obviously the two categories. There's writing adapted screenplay. We'll look at that first. The nominees are American fiction uh, written for the screen by Cord Jefferson, Barbie written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, Oppenheimer written for the screen by Christopher Nolan, Poor Things, screenplay by Tony McNamara, and The Zone of Interest, written by Jonathan Glazer. So we've already talked about what a bunch of bullshit it is that Barbie is even in this category. Uh, But being that as it is, uh, these are our nominees, and what are our thoughts? Um, So just kind of going down the list. I mean, so I I I obviously still have not seen Zone of Interest, um, but I will eventually. I did really like the screenplay for American Fiction. I'm really excited to hear what your thoughts are on that when you do finally see it. Um, I mean, I just, I mean, I just, I, I did really love that movie. It was really, really good. Um, Barbie, we've talked about. It's complete bullshit that it's an adapted screenplay, not original screenplay. But I think it's a. I mean, Greta Gerwig is such a great screenwriter she is so good at what she does and i mean noah bombach obviously is really great as well and so this i mean the the dialogue in this movie was so smart you know it it had a very clear hero's journey um i just loved i think the screenplay was was really great oppenheimer you know you know our thoughts on that poor things i think also really was really really good was super interesting um yeah, and uh, yeah, again, this is just it's a stacked category. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing American fiction and I I feel like I probably do need to hold my final opinion until we until I do get a chance to see it. I, I think Oppenheimer had a very good script. I liked the dialogue. I liked the way it was the way it was structured. But I, I feel like Barbie and Poor Things were both a step above. And and you mentioned Barbie had a very good hero's journey. And, you know, and anybody who knows anything about me and how I think about screenwriting is I am a hero's journey disciple. And whenever I'm reading scripts for people, I'm looking for the hero's journey in their script. And if I can't find it, I point out to them, you know, here's what you need to do to try to make that work. And 
I think Barbie, more than any of these scripts, hit all of the beats in the hero's journey just spot on. And and it, that's not to say that it was writing by numbers or a color by numbers kind of thing. And and for those of you who don't know much about the hero's journey, you know, I apologize that I'm kind of getting into the weeds here on it, but you know, it's it's basically a framework for telling stories that goes back to Joseph Campbell and how he take he he looked at archetypal structuring going back in in mythic structure, you know, going back literally thousands of years and how different cultures in different parts of the world who were around at different times all had very similar stories to each other. And that those stories kind of influence how we live, how we tell stories today. And there's a very definite structure in how we as human beings relate to our stories and our, in our storytelling. And Barbie, <laughs> it's, it's so funny to just say that, but like the bar, the script for Barbie hit all of those beats probably better than any of these screenplays did. And and if I had to vote as much as I love poor things and the writing in poor things was spectacular, the dialogue in poor things, everybody's voice was unique and, and, and clear and different. And just the, the, the words that they used were just brilliantly s- sewn together, almost like poetry. But as far as a, as crafting and construction a screenplay to be able to tell the story of a movie. I think Barbie really hit it on the head. Yeah. I feel like I was monologuing there a little bit. I'm sorry about that, but uh, no, that was great. I mean, that totally, yeah. So I I mean, honestly, like I think, I think Barbie should win Um, whether or not it wins is up for debate, I suppose, but I really (sighs) would love to see it win. I know. I I feel like I'm repeating myself. I really, this is the one again. I liked Oppenheimer. I really did. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I really do not want to see it win best adapted screenplay. Yeah. I think I think Barbie and Poor Things and and probably American Fiction all deserve all deserve it more than more than Oppenheimer did. And we'll see this will be the one that I probably flip a table over if if <laughs> if if Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on to writing original screenplay. The nominees are Anatomy of a Fall uh, by Justine Triette and Arthur Harari, <clears throat> The Holdovers by David Henningsen, Maestro, written by Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer, May December, screenplay by Sammy Birch, story by Sammy Birch and Alex uh, Mechanic, and Past Lives by Celine Song. Man, Past Lives got snubbed too hard, didn't it? It really did. I mean, Past the fact Lives that- really got snubbed. The fact that Greta Lee didn't get nominated for Best Actress is really criminal. Um, yeah, best director. She didn't get in there. I don't, or maybe she did. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I have, have to look to real that. quick. Um, yeah. She did not get in there. Um, also, brutal, criminal, horrible. Um, yeah, it was completely <laughs> snubbed. I loved that movie so much, but I am happy to see it at and least it, got original screenplay because that would have had me losing my freaking mind. And it and it did have a really nice screenplay as well. Um, it had some some terrific dialogue that was filled with subtext. Again, this is kind of another sort of screenwriting geek um, terminology, but they, there were a lot of times where the characters were saying things that they weren't really saying, you know, they like the, the words were saying out loud, but underneath they were really saying something else. And that's all written in the, in the screenplay. And 
you know, they like, you know, sort of an example of that is, you know, a character might, and I, I can't think of a specific example off the top of my head because it, it did, I did see it a long time ago. But, you know, if, if they're talking about when they were growing up and, and, you know, the, the guy in the, in the scene is through his dialogue saying how much he wants to get back together with her and her through her dialogue is saying how happy she is now in her life. And that's basically the meaning of the movie. Uh, that was really sewn into the dialogue quite spectacularly. And, and it, it almost was a foregone conclusion as you're watching the movie that, you know, they weren't going to end up back together. Uh, spoiler alert, sorry, but it was been out for a year now. So you should have seen it by now if you haven't already. And, and again, a lot of that was in the script. I thought the script for May December yeah. was again, very well written, very sharp. Again, lots of subtext, lots of people saying things and meaning something else. Um, I really like this. I got, I liked all of these scripts. Maestro had a fantastic script. Uh, I, I don't, the holdovers, I, the, the holdovers is probably the one in this category that had, again, the clearest hero's journey. There really was a hero's journey in this where they're like, they start off in an ordinary world. They go to the special world. You know who the hero is, you know, who, you know, who the, there, there's a lot of very archetypal, uh, characters in this and a lot of archetypal situations, um, and boy, Anatomy of a Fall, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, it's powerful dialogue in that movie, yeah. just powerful, powerful dialogue and a very well-constructed story. So boy, I, I, I gosh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I would vote for in this one. Um, I probably would love, I, I know you loved past lives, but if, if I had a choice, I would probably vote for the holdovers, but I'd have a hard time not voting for Anatomy of a Fall as well. No, I I feel the same. Again, I loved Past Lives. I think maybe in any other year, um, I I might feel a little differently. But yeah, I think between well, I guess between all of these, I think um, you know May December's really impressive. It's a first screenplay for both of them. You know, like this is like and for them to get nominated. I mean, I think that's huge, and I'm glad to see that May December got at least something. But I also kind of feel like is that more of a slap in the face because it's like we're admitting we watched it but you're still not getting nominated yeah. for anything else. Anyway, Maestro, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it is what it is. But um, I, I I, think I remember seeing the holdovers and coming out of that movie. And I think I said to you, like, you know, the, the screenplay is not normally the first thing that, that captures me about a film. It's usually the cinematography or the acting. But in this one, I I caught on to the screenplay right away and immediately was taken in by it. And it is just so good. So I think, yeah, that one would also have my vote. But Anatomy of a Fall yeah. was also really spectacular. Um, so it, it for me, it, it, it is really a toss-up between the two of them for me for this category. Yeah, that's totally fair. Totally fair. All right, quickly moving on. Uh, let's do visual effects. And then actually, I think we should do... Uh, uh, we'll try to get visual effects, sound, and production design in here in the next couple of minutes, and then we'll we'll look at director and best picture when we get back. But so visual effects, real quick: The Creator, Godzilla minus one, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, and Napoleon. Uh, I mean, I actually never saw The Creator. I meant to. I heard like because the trailers all looked really good. I know you you saw it, right? I, I saw it. It wasn't a terrific movie, but the visual effects were pretty stunning. Effects are um, really good. Yeah, I guess actually looking at this, the only two I've seen are Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three and Napoleon. Um, but uh -huh. um, uh, I mean, you know, it's this is Marvel's um, 
standard one nomination yeah. per year. Uh, yeah. And I'm it's sorry, I have to just giggle. I have to just giggle at the name Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. I don't know why. It's just so long. Like, what are we doing? But like, yeah, okay. I know. Well, because there's there's gonna be a part two, is all I can tell you. I know. <clears> so um, but yeah, I mean, just looking at yeah. like how the creator looked, I could see that one winning. And but I, I can again, say the same thing about Godzilla. Yeah. I didn't love the movie, but I thought the the effects were were really good. I wouldn't mind seeing the creator win, and in a weird way, I wouldn't mind seeing Napoleon win either because I thought that yeah. uh, there were some, you know, again, not a terrific, not as great of a movie as we were hoping it would be, but looked stunning, really spectacular. So, yeah, I don't know, toss a coin on that one. I, I, I maybe once I actually see all of them too, because I still need to see a couple of them. We can come back to this one when we get close to the Oscars. Uh, sound, the creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, and Zone of Interest. Um, Oppenheimer's winning. It's I mean, winning. Oppenheimer's probably going to win. Yeah, yeah. And like, I feel like fine. this is one that Maestro could win. But yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like this could be one of those ones where, if like, you see, like, when sound comes on, if it goes to Oppenheimer, you're like, oh, it's going to be a long night for everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> All right, oh, and then real quickly, we'll do production design. Um, so production design is, uh, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. I'm sorry. I, Barbie gosh. literally, there was a pink paint shortage because of Barbie. Like <laughs> if that, and, and if that isn't going to win production design, are you joking? Yeah. I thought we just throw your hands up and, and kind and of like, what are we doing point. here? Yeah. Uh, I think Napoleon has an, has a chance, right? Again, period period pieces kind of do well in these things, but but poor things again. I, let's go back to creativity, right? Like poor things in Barbie showed their creativity in the production design, right? We talked about the production design and poor things when we were talking about it a few weeks ago, like the sort of the steampunk vibes in it, right? And it combined with this sort of classical, almost Victorian look uh, to a lot of the, to a lot of the um, elements in it, and then partly in black and white and partly in color. And when the colors hit, they just popped. Yeah. Right. So I, I could see, I could see poor things winning this. Right. And, and Barbie's production design was outstanding. It was super creative, saturated, you know, you know, and, and, and they, I, I, my, I think my one criticism of Barbie and its production design is, is I felt like it, the real world could have been maybe a little bit more muted like when they leave mm. Barbie land and they come into the real world, it, it, it still felt very colorful, obviously not the same kind of saturation that was in Barbie land, but it, it, it might've been, it might've taken it to another level if they had given us a little bit more of a different look in the, in the real world. I, I don't know. I, I and I, it's, there's also the entirely reasonable possibility that I have no idea what I'm talking about, but <laughs> I, I feel like the, the, I feel like, you know, if 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 we're if we're looking at Barbie and poor things as as probably the front runners in this just from a creativity standpoint, I feel like poor things probably did a little bit more than Barbie did in terms of creating a world and building a world. Uh, again, both of them did exactly what they were supposed to do. Both of them did it very effectively. But if I had to vote, I would probably vote for poor things over Barbie in this category. And that's valid. Yeah. 
That's that's your Gen X, that's your Gen X VZ right there. That's Mackenzie grinding her teeth, going, and that's valid. And that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we got a couple categories to go. We're going to take a very quick break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about best director and best picture. Be right back. And we are back for a bonus section of Gen X VZ movie podcast. We still have two categories to get through. Thanks all for hanging in there with us for an extra few minutes. Hopefully you're enjoying listening to it as much as we're enjoying talking about it. So our last two categories are directing and best picture. So we'll get right into directing. The nominees are Justine Triette for Anatomy of a Fall, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, and Jonathan Glazer for Zone of Interest. Uh, I have not seen Zone of Interest yet. I don't think you have either. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, I, I mean, again, I don't see a world in which Christopher Nolan doesn't win just based on everything that happened. However, of the four movies that I have seen, he's in fourth place. I mean, I would I would vote for Justine Triette over Nolan. I would vote for Martin Scorsese over Nolan. And I would vote for Yorgos Lanthimos over Nolan. I think all three of them did amazing, amazing jobs in the movies. Not Again, not to dismiss what Oppenheimer did. He did a terrific job with Oppenheimer, but I just think all three of those other people did better. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think uh, if we're just looking at directing a film, right, I think Christopher Nolan, and part of the thing, part of the issues that I've had with other films of his in the past, and I don't think it was quite as bad with Oppenheimer, um, but per- particularly with Tenet, Inception, you know, just those movies. Like, he is so far up his own butt. Interstellar, perfect example. (laughs) He is so far up his own butt. He needs everybody to know just how smart he is, and it oozes out of every movie he makes. And that's not to say he isn't incredibly talented. He is. There's a reason he is in this category. There's a reason he makes some of the most successful films ever. But he is so far up his own rear end, and you can just see it. In everything. And I think that's my main problem with it is he just needs everybody to know just how smart he is. It's in the dialogue. It's in the kinds of special effects that he does. It's in the editing. Like it's, it's like he, anyway, that's my issue. Um, but tell us how you really feel about it. Stop. I know. I know. And maybe that's harsh, (laughs) but like, that's just, that's just how I feel. Um, I think it all hang out. Yep. I think anatomy of a fall was the direction of that movie was just so good. I think it I think it takes a really talented filmmaker to be able to tell a story where you don't get the answer at the end and that's okay. And you know, a lot of that has to do with the script obviously which she did as well, but I think a lot of it boiled down to the directing as well. Um, you know, just just the the kinds of like I don't know. I I yeah, I just think that 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 one I, I would be very happy to see win Best Director. I'd be very happy to see Poor Things win Best Director. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about that. Well, yeah, so following up with you, I I, I agree with everything that you said about Christopher Nolan. I, I after, after seeing after seeing Interstellar came after Inception, right? Yes. And um at, so and I was not a huge fan of Inception. And then I sat through the theater. I sat in the theater for Interstellar, 
And I remember just feeling for both of those movies, God, if they if he just cut 40 minutes off of these movies and got them down to a nice crisp two hours, they both would have been awesome. But as I would say back then, you know, he's the director. He's also his own producer. He's also his own writer. There's no one there to tell him, or his brother, I think, is his producer, right? So no, no, it's one his wife. It's his wife. Oh, his wife. Okay, so even more so, right? So there's no one there to tell him, hey, Chris, maybe, uh, you know, let's cut this back a little bit, right? Which made me so almost dumbfoundedly surprised when he did... Um, Dunkirk? The World War II movie. But Dunkirk, right? 90 minutes? Which I loved. I was like, I was like wait, wait, what? Wait, 90 minutes? What? Right? I know. And it was it was maybe the best 90 minutes of movie making that year. I mean, that movie was awesome. And then you think back to his earlier career, you know, before Dark Knight and Batman Begins and all that, with movies like The Prestige and Memento. And like really, again, smart movies. He kind of had to tell you how smart he was, but you didn't mind it so much in that movie because there wasn't that kind of like pretense, right? Yeah. And they were, again, you were in and out of them in under two hours. And then... You know, he got the Batman movies, and now, other than, again, other than Dunkirk, he, he can't seem to make a movie that's under 160 minutes. And I felt like with Oppenheimer, it really, it, it Oppenheimer didn't fall into me. For me, Oppenheimer didn't fall in the same traps that, that Interstellar and Inception did. Probably because it's a biopic. It wasn't the sci-fi weird stuff that he was doing in those movies, and also in Tenet. Uh, and I felt like the story really flowed better. And as long as it was, it had good pacing. I never felt myself looking at my watch or wondering when the heck is this movie going to end. Yeah. So for that, I, I you know I, I I give Nolan kudos for that. Now I'm going to sound a little weird because I'm going to say what Martin Scorsese did in Killers of the Flower Moon, which was four freaking hours. Right? <laughs> and, and you know, you talk about, talk about another guy who all of a sudden can't seem to make a movie that's shorter than four hours. Right, but the but Killers of the Flower Moon, dare I say, was a crisp four hours. Right? I uh, yes. Mean, I mean, right? we talked like, about it when we saw it. It like was, was deliberate pacing. Like it was snow. It was slow, or not slow, but it was like it was long. It was long winded, but it was deliberate. Like yeah. every frame, every shot, every piece of dialogue, every flinch, every moment mattered. Yes, and held your and attention. I never. And held my attention. And I never, it didn't feel like a four hour movie to me. Like I felt when we got out of that movie, I didn't feel like I was in the movie theater for that long. And you know what's so and, crazy? And I never once for me, like my, my whole thing is like, I always have to pee during movies, no matter what. I, I really try my hardest. I <laughs> yeah. did not have to pee. I never felt the urge to get up and go to the bathroom. And I think that also says a lot about a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then quickly, I, th yeah, I think Justine Triette was, did an incredible job for the reasons that you said in Anatomy of a Fall. Um, she, she gave you just, she, she did a very good job of giving you just enough information when you needed it and then allowing you to draw your own conclusions at the end, which I think is, and, and I didn't feel cheated at, at all. Mm -mm. And, but for me, really, like if we're talking about achievement and direction, I think no nobody did what, what Yorgos Lanthimos did this year, other than maybe Greta Gerwig. Uh, who's conspicuously not in this in this category. Um, but as far as world building and crafting a great story and telling a great story in in a really unique way, uh, I think Yorgos Lanthimos 
for me would probably get my vote this year simply because of just the creativity and the originality behind what was in that movie and, and how he told that story. Yeah, totally. All right. So drum roll, please. We'll go on to best picture and I'm looking for that on my list and it's probably down a little bit farther. It's down below best original. So yeah, I got it. Okay. So best picture nominees, American fiction, anatomy of a fall, Barbie, the holdovers, killers of the flower moon, maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Thing, Zone of Interest. Uh, so I still have to see American Fiction and Zone of Interest, which we've already said. I think the only one that you haven't seen is Zone of Interest, right? Yeah, this happens to me every single year. There's always one that's like I just don't <laughs> yeah. quite get to. I'm bound yeah. and determined this year to see it. I just, you know, when I leave my job I and don't get back to L.A. until 630 – watching a Holocaust movie is just not something I want to do with no, my life. So, not, but not I will watch it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, otherwise I, th I think it's a good list, right? I, I, I don't think that again, I think, you know, you and I really liked May, December. I probably would have liked to have seen May, December get nominated. Um, you know, I don't know what you take off, uh, yeah. you know, uh, again, cause just having not seen, Two of them, I, I don't know what you would take off to add on May, December. But I, I, look, my fav I think my favorite movie of the year is probably either Maestro or The Holdovers. I don't think either one of those movies has a snowball's chance in hell of winning. <laughs> I think we probably know the elephant in the room is Oppenheimer, right? But I, f again, f just from entertainment value, pure entertainment value, like when I went to the movie, which movie entertained me the most? And, you know, B Barbie certainly could be on that list. But for me, the holdovers and maestro were the movies that really hit me the most. And I mean, poor things, obviously, I think if, if you're looking at it from like the, like historically, like best production, which is what it used to be called, you could certainly put poor things in there. Um, but anyway, if I had a vote, I would probably be a coin toss between the holdovers and maestro. Yeah. And neither one of them has a snowball's chance in hell of winning. Well, and that's the thing. Like my favorites are, you know, the holdovers, past lives, and Barbie. And there's, yeah, not a shot in hell that any of them are going to win, which is a bummer. And I, but I think also is it just really goes to show kind of how we should all be looking at the Oscars, you know? Like, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, the Oscars cannot be the arbiter of what is good and what is not. What, wins best picture very rarely is actually the best picture that year because these things are so subjective. No question. And so, yes. you know, looking at this category, there really is not anything that I feel like, I feel like this is a pretty good representation of the best of the year. You know, not everything's going to get nominated. Of course, I'm sure there are some things that could have snuck in there. Absolutely. But this feels like a really good representation of the year in cinema and i'm very happy with this category um and if i had to pick my favorite out of them it would be either barbie the holdovers or past lives but that's just me no yeah i know i and look i think that's a great a great thing you said right like like really what you want especially when the especially since they've moved it to 10 movies that get nominated mm-hmm it's usually pretty clear what the 10 best movies of the year were. Right. And, and obviously what the best movie is, is going to vary from person to person, but you can probably get a consensus of what the 10 best movies are. Naturally, you know, some people are going to think one or two over the others, but 
I think you're right. This is an excellent representation of what the best of cinema was in 2023. And for that, you're right. I think we should be happy. As as much as Oscar got wrong, as much as the Academy got wrong with what didn't get nominated, they probably got it right with uh, with Best Picture. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's just all we can ask for in the end. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right there. You know, if, if you go back and you look at some years with the nominations, especially when it was only five and you think about some movies that get nominated over some that didn't, you know, the one that always gets me is like, not, you know, 1989 when Driving Miss Daisy won and uh, Do the Right Thing didn't even get nominated. Oh, you yeah. Know, it just, you know, it really makes you scratch your head sometimes. And that's Criminal just one behavior. example out of, you know, ni- 95 years of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think we've probably beaten this horse to death as much as we can, <laughs> um, for lack of a better analogy. And, and for this uh, week, we will talk about it again. <laughs> uh, we'll definitely talk about this again. I think, you know, the Oscars are a month away. Um, we've still got, you and I both have movies that we need to see. We do need to see the animated movies so we can talk more in depth about those. And uh, I need to see American Fiction. We both need to see Zone of Interest. And there's some others that we need to see as well. So I think. We will definitely continue this discussion uh, in in future podcasts for sure. Unless there's like a screaming hue and cry that no, keep talking about other movies. So we'll see how. We do <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, thanks everybody. Thanks very much for uh, listening. Please don't forget to rate us and uh, subscribe and like and all that good stuff. Um, and follow us on Instagram. We are Gen VZ Pod. Gen VZ Pod on Instagram. Is that right? Okay. We're X V Z Pod. Yeah. <laughs> XVZ Pod. Sorry, we're XVZ Pod on Instagram. And you can follow me on Letterboxd at Brian SMI71. And you can find me at Mackenzie Kate on Letterboxd. Um, and you can find our actual Instagram handle in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, it was a little bit clunky. All right. Anyway, have a good it's been a long show and my brain is a little bit mushy. <laughs> uh all right. Have a great week and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye.